This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening, coming to you from a pretty stormy Johannesburg. I'm Brad Brown. Thank you very much to the MoneyWeb team back again uh, tomorrow at 6pm. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll be chatting some Ram Slam T20 cricket. We'll touch base with the captain of the Dolphins, Kaya Zondo, joining us tonight. And also one of our national football teams en route as we speak to Botswana under 17 girls uh, football team in a crucial World Cup qualifier. They take on Botswana this coming Friday and uh, we'll chat to Charles Beloy from the Daily Sun uh, to find out what's going on in South African women's football because I just get a feeling we are definitely on the right that's all coming up tonight. Let's start off with some football news. The Telcom knockout final takes place this weekend. Bloom Celtic taking on Bidvest Vitz at the Princess Mogogo Stadium in Kwamashu in Durban. The first round of the competition saw both sides win on penalties. Vitz then beat Kaiser Chiefs 1-0 in the semis, while Polokwane City went down to Bloom Celtic 2-1 on penalties. Coach Veselin Jelusic says they'll be naive to believe that it's going to be an easy game. This weekend, of course, we should be very naive to think that this game will be will be will be easy because of uh, recent position in league. Uh, they are still one of the best uh, teams in the country. They want to prove it, and we are sure that we will have very very difficult game. They will be very motivated uh, as we as well. So we are expecting very difficult game and fight until end of the game. The last time the two sides met was in the league in October last year when Celtic beat the Clever Boys 1-0. Jalusic says they're feeling confident ahead of the final. We hope so, but uh, each game is a new story. We cannot rely on this result as any guarantee. So we must work very hard and uh, to fight until end of the game for a result that can give us chances to win the game. In other domestic football news, Kaiser Chiefs defenders Lamaswe Mpahlele and Khotso Moleko have both recovered from injury and returned to full training. Some action to look forward to in the Premiership tonight. Super Sport United up against Ajax Cape Town. That match taking place at the Mombella Stadium kicks off at 7.30. While in England, Sandy Cazola has undergone more surgery, delaying his comeback from that long-term Achilles injury. West Brom have appointed Alan Pardew as their new manager. He signed a two-and-a-half-year deal. He replaces Tony Poulos. Six matches in England as well. Well, tonight, Arsenal host Huddersfield, Burnley away to Bournemouth, Chelsea welcome Swansea to Stamford Bridge, Everton face West Ham, Southampton travel to Manchester City and Stoke face Liverpool. On to some cricket now, A.B. de Villiers is set to play a three-day warm-up game against Zimbabwe in December. It'll get him ready for the four-day day-night test match that'll take place in Port Elizabeth on Boxing Day. De Villiers has not played in the longest format since January 2016, first because of injuries and then due to a self-imposed exile from test cricket. With South Africa taking on India and Australia in a home test series in the new year, it's important for de Villiers to get some much-needed game time in the middle in the longer format. In other international cricket news, all-rounder Tassara Pereira has been named as Sri Lanka's limited overs captain ahead of their three-match ODI series against India. While New Zealand fast bowler Tim Southey is going to miss the first test against the Windies uh, due to the imminent birth of his child, while George Worker and Lockie Ferguson have been added to that squad. Two matches taking place in the Ramslam T20 this evening. 
The first one sees the Cobras up against the Warriors. The Cobras batting first there, 62 without loss. That match taking pl- uh, place at Bulan Park in Pal. That's after 8.4 overs. The other match uh, scheduled to take place at the Wanderers. The Lions up against the Titans. Play has been delayed due to rain. On to some golf news now, and Tiger Woods makes another return to competitive golf this week, despite 10 months on the sidelines, recovering from a fourth back surgery. The 14-time major winner's goal remains the same, however, and that is to win. While Woods' famous competitive streak continues to rage inside the former world number one, he has conceded that he'll have to temper his expectations at the Hero World Golf Challenge in the Bahamas this weekend. He takes on an elite 18-player field that includes eight of the top ten in the current world rankings. I just really want to be able to compete this week, play all four days, and give myself a chance on that back nine on Sunday to win this thing. Let me play this this event and see what I can and can't do. I'll, I'll have a better understanding once I'm in game speed. I know I, I've always hit it harder come game time because of adrenaline, and I'm looking forward to it, and I'm also looking forward to see how I feel. Woods noted that his game has improved significantly over the last few months. He's been playing rounds with the likes of Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, amongst others. It's been a lot of fun. I've played some great rounds with the guys at home. They've been, they've been fantastic, to be honest with you, because I got to know a lot of them through the Ryder Cup and President's Cups and have really become very close with, with a few of them. And uh, I, mean, I played golf with, with Rory. I played golf with Berger, JT, uh, Ricky, Dustin, and, you know, it was fun. It was fun to be able to do that again, which I hadn't done in years. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we'll chat some football. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Well, coming up this weekend as well, another one of our national football teams are in action. It's uh, our youngsters, the under-17 girls football team. Uh, Bantwana going to be playing in Botswana. Lots at stake uh, on this one as well. The first round of their World Cup qualifiers is taking place on Friday. We join now by Charles Beloy of the, the Daily Sun. Charles, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap. Uh, once again, nice to catch up. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me and good evening to the listeners on this rainy night. Charles, looking at uh, this group of youngsters, there's obviously something boiling uh, in South African ladies' football, uh, and it starts. This is this is where it begins for for the development ranks, uh, and and lots at stake on this one. You you've been uh, around the team in camp they, they, as we speak en route to to Botswana. Your thoughts on on the way this team looks heading into this crucial match? These are exciting times for South African women's football. Three of our national team, the under-17, under-20, and the senior women's team, Banyana Banyana, are all bidding for the World Cup ticket. So they are all busy preparing and trying to qualify for different World Cup finals that will start uh, taking place from next year. So the under-17 team, Bantwana, held their camp today, their last training session before they departed to Botswana, where they will play against the young Zebras of Botswana in the first leg of the second round of the FIFA Under-17 World Cup that will take place in Uruguay in 2018. So in UJ campus there today, they have really had a very good day. It was hot. And then the coach in Pure Zulu took them through their paces and the girls were in jubilant mood. They were happy and they were looking forward to their trip to Botswana where they will be playing the first leg on Friday uh, afternoon at 3 p.m. at Levoto Sports Complex. So the mood was high in the camp and then the team was excited and they were looking forward to the challenge. 
Charles, one of the, the things that uh, the coach, Simpiwe Dludlu, has, has mentioned is, is they don't know much about the opposition. It's, uh, they're almost going into to this one blind. Do you think that's, that could be a major, major concern? She had three headaches. The first headache was they didn't have an international uh, friendly game to test the team um, in terms of to gauge their readiness. The second uh, stress to have was most of the players there, except three players, have not tested international football, which could be tricky for them. And thirdly, uh, her last worry was the fact that they don't know much about Botswana. Botswana was an open book. They'll just read the fact that Botswana are neighbors and probably they are playing similar football to South Africa. Don't forget also that Botswana is an amateurish uh, league in terms of they don't have a league. So they are more or less the same. But in terms of our South African footballers, we have the Sasso League and a bit of games here and there. But in Botswana, they don't have a league at all. So they don't know whether to expect um, a tricky match or what, but they'll just go out there and have fun and enjoy themselves. So basically, those are some of the worries that she was worried about. And her team is mainly made up of the 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds who are inexperienced for, for this particular challenge. But one thing for sure that which she was happy about, the players started to sing, they started to give each other nicknames. That's a sign that they're now bonding and gelling as a team. Yeah, and I mean, that that obviously does bode well. You, you're talking about 14, 15-year-olds. It's a young squad, a very young squad that she's got. And, and if they are successful and, and they get to the World Cup, the, the core of this squad can, can still play together for a long, long time at under-17 level. Yes, and up to under-20 level as well, up to the senior national team. And basically, in terms of grassroots development, this is what we are talking about. You need to break breed players for Banyana Banyana, and this is where it starts, really. This is the most important World Cup qualification that we'll get. And let's not also forget that we also have a young coach, Tuedrudu Jastetsi, so she's not that old as well. She's still new and then still learning a trade in this qualification. So ultimately, this is a new team and a new technical team, which bonds well for the senior national team, because ultimately... Under-17, under-20, and Banyana Banyana have to play the same type of football so that we can be able to bring in players and then forge strong teams. You, you talk about uh, the coach and, and her being young. It, it, that also, in my mind, bodes well, and, and it's a very good sign that we're seeing ex-Banyana Banyana players getting involved in, in coaching. You look at uh, what Desraelis is doing with Banyana Banyana at the moment. Uh, she worked very closely with Vera Power before she moved on as well. And you talk about those playing styles. I mean, someone like Spiwet Lulu wasn't that long ago that she was involved with Banyana Banyana, so she understands the philosophy, and it's easy for her to impart that on these youngsters. She understands that and she has the utmost respect for the senior interim coach, Desiree Alice. They, 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 they get on well and they share philosophies and then they are trying to build a generation of players who are going to fight for the county, who are going to fight for the best. And the good thing is early next year there will be a new Premier League of Women's Premier League that will be launched. And these are the type of players that you want to take through the system. And with Luzu, she's still young, and now she wants to achieve something that she couldn't achieve as a player, qualify for the World Cup. She couldn't do this as a player, but now she has an opportunity to do this as a coach, and she's learning, and in the near future, you can see her graduate along to be up until to a stage where she can work with the senior national team, and this is where it starts, and this is where she can earn the coaching badges, learn the tactics, and she's been working a lot as well with uh, with Ellis, 
in the past and then getting advice so that the teams are playing with the same tone, they gel and then they know each other. And, and what she did today was she made the players watch the, the, the videotapes of the previous Under-17 World Cup finals that happened in various countries. And also to watch Banyana Banyana, how they play and how they fight and how they handle the pressure, especially when they are playing in front of a crowd away from home. Because if there's something that we have to take note into account is that this young group of players have never played in front of a crowd. So tomorrow should be their first time. I think it's a, it's an incredible experience for, for these young girls, and, and I'm sure they're going to fly the flag proudly for, for South Africa. Looking at the, the sort of rise of South African women's football, we've, we obviously have, have high hopes for, for these youngsters, but our under-20 sides uh, have done pretty well. They, they come off a very, very good win, and like you say, also in the run uh, for, for World Cup qualification. We know what Banyana Banyana's been doing. Peter, what do, you, what do you attribute this rise in South African women's football to, and and what are they doing differently that our men's sort of development structures and, and, and national teams aren't doing? Firstly, let me say this. I know it's subject to debate. <laughs> they are not uh, prima donnas, the, the women's football teams. <laughs> they, they, they fight for the badge. They love for their, their country. It is not about money. And as we know, there's no money in women's football. First is the passion. The senior national teams are prima donnas. You have to beg a player to play for his county. Take, for instance, Tulan Serrero. And you have to guarantee them that if we call you from Europe, you have a guaranteed starting uh, place in, in, in the starting 11, something like that. And then you cannot boss around the coach. And then the coach has to call the players and then um, take them through camp and see who's ready for what position and for what tactics. So basically the difference is the women's team, they're hungry. They want to prove a point. They want that uh, professional league to take place because already they are putting in the works and I was so um, fortunate to have done the Olympic Games with Banyana Banyana even though they didn't win a game but I could see the passion and the fight and which, especially what Vera Paul did I was there and I could see what she has instilled in them to fight for their country to love one another to work as a team to always put the country first so that's basically what is happening the revolution in women's football has to do with the passion for their country playing for the flag, respecting the national team, wanting to play, and then wanting to leave everything on the field out there, and then money and everything will be a bonus, which we don't see with the men's football footballers. It's all about the money. It's all about the egos. I love that, and uh, I think you are, in my opinion, spot on the money. Obviously, this is a, a home and away, or away and home. We're we playing this Friday in Botswana, but uh, they return 16th of December. Uh, they take on Botswana at the Dobsonville Stadium. Best result for Botswana this weekend. Obviously, if we can score lots of goals and win, it takes a bit of pressure off, but uh, what, what, do you, what do you think they're hoping to do on Friday? The way I've seen the mood in the camp, and I've seen how the, those girls were breathing the hot, scorching weather, and then working hard, and then they, they look like they were taking the coach's, coach's instructions and then passing the ball while running for each other. And then the camaraderie that I've seen in the team when they took the water breaks, I could sense that they're going to record a big winning margin, that the second leg will be a matter of a formality, and it will be on a on a public holiday, on, on a day of um, reconciliation where we'll be celebrating. Hopefully it will be something worth celebrating, it will be just um, 
a formality for Botswana to come and, and, and do some little bit of a tourism coming here to see South Africa, not for the football, because the, the match will be over as a contest from the first leg. Well, we don't want to be counting our chickens before they hatch, but if Botswana <laughs> do do win the home and away, uh, they'll face either Morocco or Equatorial Guinea in the second round. If they overcome uh, that one, the winner will go through and be part of the three African representatives in Uruguay at that World Cup. Uh, Peter Beloy, th- uh, Charles Beloy, rather, uh, thank you so much uh, for your time here on SAFM Sports Trap this evening. Much appreciated. And uh, let's keep fingers crossed. Friday, let's hope it's a positive result for uh, South African National Under-17 girls team. Thanks for having me, Brad. I just want to wish the team um, good luck and then to say thanks to the listeners. I'm always available to speak to SAFM. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader, and we are in the middle of uh, this year's Ram Slam T20. Been some interesting results and some frustrating ones as well, particularly if you are a Dolphins fan. Uh, it seems that whenever the Dolphins have a cricket match, uh, the rain comes. We join now by their skipper, Kaya Zondo. Kaya, welcome on to uh, SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, as much as the fans are frustrated, uh, as players, you guys must be super frustrated. Hi. Um... Yeah, we, we are frustrated uh, when it comes to the rain um, because obviously it's a potential four points that we, we we can't really have a shot at. But, I mean, we also see the positive um, where some teams are are only are not getting any points. Um, we are actually picking up two. So we, we will look at the positive side and uh, we're standing at number three at the moment in the log. Uh, we've had three rainouts, which has given us six points and one win. So we had number three tied Sorry, we had number two actually tied with the the Knights. So we'll look at the positives that we at least we got some points out of it. Kai, looking at the tournament uh, up until now, uh, who do you think? I mean, obviously the Titans are playing some fantastic crickets. Uh, they're up against the Lions this evening. Uh, do you think they're going to be the team to beat? Or, or with it being a T20 tournament, it's on the day. Anyone can beat anyone. Um, I think anyone could beat anyone in this uh, in this tournament. All the teams are, are strong. Um, and in T20 cricket, obviously anything can happen on the day. Um, one person can can just play an amazing innings, or one person can bowl an amazing spell, which changes the whole course of the match. Um, so I think definitely, I think it's very close to call. It's only halfway stages. Um, you've seen some of the teams that were at the bottom, the Warriors and the Cobras. They picked up um, they've picked up some wins now, and actually the difference between the teams number two and number six is almost what I think one win. Yeah, it's four points. So, yeah, it's four points. So it's too close to really actually say at the moment. We've got another five games at the second round. And, you know, after those games, you'll actually have a true reflection of how the teams played over a 10-game period in, in the competition. As far as standards go, it must be from a player's perspective. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen uh, all, all the pro tiers sort of in full action. Great, great to have them back. And, and do you think that's really lifting the game of the, uh, or the, the standard of the competition this season? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's good that they're all playing. Um, it's always nice to to be able to to test your skill against the best as a batter or the bowler. Um, and they're obviously going to lift the, the standard of cricket that's being played. Um, and uh, the younger guys are obviously going to learn a lot more, even though it might be a little bit tougher for the young guys because they've they've obviously haven't been exposed to um, such a high uh, intense ga- game and a high level skilled game. But all in all, obviously having them back into in the Ram Slam is definitely doing the the T20 uh, the Ram Slam T20 uh, world of good. 
you mentioned from a Dolphins perspective, at least you're picking up points due to the, the, the no results. From a from a keeping fresh and sharp and, and, and in sort of form, it, it, has that been a struggle for, for the Dolphins, not getting as much game time in the middle as the other teams are? Um, I think, uh, obviously, as a team, you always want to be... You want to be out there playing, playing good cricket. I mean, training is never the same as uh, as a match. Um, so for me, definitely, I think it is a little bit of a, a frustrating part where where we want to be playing, where I want to be seeing guys um, perform on the field um, rather than in practice games. Um, but you know, it is the the card that we've been dealt has rained so far. So there's not much we can do about it but just prepare our best in the nets and when we um, organize practice games for ourselves. Um, so yeah, the rest is hopefully we get a few games now, a few games that uh, aren't trained out, and we can pick up uh, the points we need to obviously get into a semi. I was going to say, if, if the trend continues, I'm sure you can talk to the city of Cape Town, get you to come play some games there. They need they need a bit of rain, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard a few people say that maybe we should uh, relocate to Cape Town and help them out that side. Either that, we're going to get lots of rain, or we're going to get no rain at all. But kind of from a, a personal perspective, for you, your form obviously a, a great knock in the in the opener, uh, 60, 67 or forty seven balls not out. Uh, I mean that innings uh, coming off a, a base that was set up uh, by, by Ivy up, up front with that magnificent 100. Your form, are you, you happy with the way you're playing personally? Yeah, no, I am happy with uh, the way that I'm playing. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've just, like, I've gone up one in the batting lineup um, in terms of from the previous years I was at five, but now having uh, Dane Villas in the team, um, I, can, I can shift one up uh, to number four and have a senior guy in the middle, in the middle order. Um, who can obviously control that that aspect of the game in terms of batting. So that's obviously helped. It's given me a little more time to obviously go out and be able to play with a little more freedom when it comes to uh, T20 cricket. And yeah, it's just, I've enjoyed it. It's nice to hit a few balls out the park. And uh, I've got five more games uh, before semi-final, so I've got to hit a few more. <laughs> so I'd like to repeat, uh, I'd like to repeat more innings like that. Looking at Dolphins, uh, the franchise as a whole, obviously some, some good youngsters coming through. You, you happy with the, the systems and the processes uh, that are in place at the, at the, the franchise at the moment that sort of the, the, the feeder system is, is doing what it needs to be doing? Yes, no, we've got, we've got um, quite a few guys, actually young guys, that are, that are coming through that show a lot of potential. Um, we've got a lot of spinners, we've got a, quite a few fast bowlers and some young batters that are coming through. Um, I think the, the feeder systems are definitely doing their job in terms of producing and identifying the young players that have potential to obviously become international players and to become very um, successful uh, professional players. I think then the only job is just for us um, and in the professional team to, to groom those people and equip them with what's required for them to become internationals and equip them for, you know, not everyone's going to play for South Africa, but if they don't play for South Africa, then they become 15-year career players for the Dolphins and not just a one-year or two-year type of player. So we're looking to, obviously, um, for guys to be to, to, to stay in the system for long and to have a really successful career at international level. Um, and if that doesn't happen for the player, then they play 15 years for, for the Dolphins. 
you talk about sort of playing against the, the Proteas in this tournament as well, but it, it must be, as a, as a skipper, great having guys like Keshav Maharaj and, and Lila Falakwayo who, who've got that international level experience to, to have around the youngsters and get the youngsters to sort of uh, rub some experience off, off on them and, and, and for, for those players to, to show the youngsters what's possible. Yes, it's always it's always good to have um, your pro tier players. I mean, uh, we've got a good mix actually. We've got a good mix. We've got um, Andile Keshav, uh, Imran Tahir, and recently uh, Robbie Freiling, who are currently obviously in that pro tiers uh, setup. And then uh, I've got quite a lot of senior players who have represented um, South Africa: Mones and Dane Villas, Avon Fanyasalt, Togozisishezi. Um, so I've got a I've got a few guys who who have obviously uh, represented South Africa and who've been playing for eight plus years in uh, the professional system who the young guys can learn from. So they can learn from your pro tier players and they can also learn from guys who've been and been doing it for years. Um, I mean, Monet's been playing for as long as um, Sponello Macani has been alive, and he's only <laughs> 21. So he can definitely teach him a lot. So I think it's not just looking at the, the pro-tier players. It's also looking at the wealth of experience you have inside your change room at that particular level. So the youngsters kind of have no excuse, really, not to uh, absorb any information uh, because the guys are there. They are in front of them. They rub shoulders with them every day at training and um you know, it's only up to them to obviously learn and uh, use what they need for them to become successful. Absolutely. Uh, next up for the Dolphins, you're in action on Friday at Kingsmead against the Cape Cobras. You mentioned the Cobras got off to a slow start. They seem to be picking up a little bit of momentum. Obviously, we'll see how they go tonight. But uh, what are you expecting uh, from from the, the gents from the Western Cape? Yeah, I, 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 I do. I think they've got a good team. They obviously just started off a bit slow. Um, but now it looks like they found their... Uh, their combinations in terms of the team that they've picked, um, and they're starting to pick up some some momentum. And the one thing with um, with obviously having so many experienced people in in the team is that once they start winning, they become dangerous because they know the feeling, they know the feeling, and they know what to do in order to to consistently win. So we're obviously expecting a very tough game. We're expecting a good game as well. Um, it's not going to be a walkover. And we obviously haven't played much cricket, so we've also got to be sharp and on the money um, on the day. So we're expecting a good game. It's going to be entertaining, that I'm sure of. Um, and then, you know, we'll see who obviously comes out um, on the winning end. But we've got our plans and our processes and our tactical stuff in place, so obviously, for us to win the game. Kai, how important is, is momentum in a tournament like this? Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned Cobras coming off a, a slightly slower start. They seem to be finding their combinations. For you guys, obviously, it's been a bit stop-start with, with the rain. But obviously, Friday is important for, for you to, to start that uh, a bit of a run because, like you say, halfway through the tournament uh, going into the weekend, you've got another game on Sunday uh, against the Warriors. Uh, if I mean, if you don't pick up a win, obviously, you have to pick up a win then on Sunday. But if, if you do pick up one on Friday night, it, it sets a ball in motion. Yeah, no, the momentum is key. Um, I always think if you just have that feeling of, of doing well, it keeps your change room uh, happy, it keeps guys in a positive space. You tend to find guys always looking for, for, for looking to take positive options in the game, either guys running in to take a diving catch or guys looking to, to win the game, to have a really big over, to, to win the game with the bat. And when we're under pressure, you, those things just seem to fall into place. Um, for the team, obviously, if you've got momentum going for you, and if it's not going for you, you always seem to lose those those crucial moments 
Um, and that's where I feel if you have the momentum, you keep running with it. Um, and it's always key, I mean, for any team. And everyone knows that if the momentum is on your side, you just keep running with it for as long as you can. And now the second half is coming, so it's actually a good time for for us to be to have that momentum going into the last to actually like the 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 the, the money the money side of the um, of the of the, of the tournaments because now you play your next five. Then after five games, we'll know who who's going to be playing the semis and who's going to be hosting the semis, and then. That's when the big games mat- the big games matter. Is who wins the semis? You win the semis, then you go into the final. You win the final, and once you get to that stage, it doesn't matter whether you lost your first two, won your first two, uh, drew your first two, rained out your first three. It's that's the that that's really the important part. And that's where it matters. And then just to wrap things up, uh, Kai, how's the game changed from a skipper's perspective? From from when T20 first sort of started out, obviously it, it was thought of as, as hit and giggle, but it's it's gotten a lot more serious and there's there's a lot more tactics, uh, the likes of, of, of opening bowling with it, with the Keshav Maharaj, for example. As a skipper, how how much pressure is there on you to, to sort of really think out of the box and, and mix things up in, in this format? Yeah, I think... Uh I think T20 cricket did obviously start. It was a bit of a hit and miss type game, but I, there is really a skill and an art to it. And I think um, you've seen that in the cricket markets, a lot of guys that uh, aren't quite suited for four-day cricket, they almost become very good um, white ball cricketers, and some of them become really good T20 cricketers. Hence, why some of them go all over the world in terms of playing in the Pakistan League, um, the Australian League, the South African League. They they go all over the world because there is a demand for at the T20 skills, and that comes with the bat and with the ball, you know. Um, and then when it comes to tactics, because it's such a short game, the people who are usually smarter and quicker, and one period of a game can, can change the whole game, and it can be literally one over, where you find the bowler taking two crucial wickets, or they get the, the right person out at the right time, and they almost win you the game because it has such a big effect because it's such a shortened game, where you'll find in test matches, it's a period. It takes quite a period for, for, for... You can take a crucial wicket, but there's so much time that guys can actually rebuild and still, you know, carry on playing. But in this period, you have you, you do have some key players, which if you do get rid of them in terms of if they're batsmen, you get rid of them, or if you if they are a bowler and you can keep them from striking or getting wickets, you're almost winning the game and then that also plays a massive role. So it's a small, it's a small difference, and it could be literally uh, a certain spinner that bowls, and that spinner is their main bowler. But if you if you make sure that he doesn't strike, it leaves their bowling attack very vulnerable because you have um, certain batsmen at the end to be able to hit death and win you the game at, in that period. Um, so yeah, tactics are very. Um, crucial. It obviously goes more in-depth than what I've just uh, spoken about. But yeah, in T20 cricket, you, you need your tactics. You need to know and you need to be sharp and know where to bowl, who to bowl to. Um, and sometimes being defensive in T20 cricket is also attacking because that also wins you the game. So yeah, it's, it definitely is a skill. Kai Zonda, skipper of uh, the Hollywood Bets Dolphins, thank you so much for your time this evening here on SAFM. Best of luck on Friday night against the Cobras and safe travels to St. George's on Sunday. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. And that's it for the show for this evening. From myself, Brad Brown, and my entire team here in Janisburg, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again at 6.30 tomorrow. 
uh, Kanye is up next uh, with the talk shop in four. Uh, Lady Maleo, right now, though, it is one minute past seven. Greg Coase has your news.